Hey, podcast people, how's it going? Azrin, the language nerd here. Hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Tuesday. No, Wednesday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin, the language nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, LinkedIn, and of course on TikTok. My username is um, at polyglotazrin, that is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T-A-Z or Z depending on your country, R-E-N. You can also simply search Azrin the Language Nerd on whatever your favorite social network is. Again, that is spelled A-Z or Z-R-E-N, the Language Nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I am very, very excited as per usual to be recording this one here. The first thing I want to share today is something that I talked about on various social networks yesterday, and I want to make sure I bring it to the podcast, which is about who you are taking advice from. Often, as language learners, we talk to different people, teachers, friends, people we meet online, different all sorts of different people as language learners. And often we will get advice about learning our target language from all sorts of people. And this is not necessarily a bad thing, but I want to encourage everybody to be mindful of who you are taking advice from. So for example, are you taking advice from someone who doesn't have experience learning that language? That's worth thinking about. Maybe what they're saying is logical and maybe the advice they're giving you makes sense and, and you should listen, but you should keep in mind, you should be mindful of who is giving the advice. Most specifically, I want you to be very careful when you're taking advice from native speakers. I was scrolling through my YouTube the other day and I saw the title of a video. I wish I remember whose video it was. I didn't actually watch the video. I saw it in half a second and kept scrolling, but the title made so much sense to me, which was something to the effect of, don't take advice from native speakers. Now, the reason this made sense, at least in my mind, is because native speakers don't have experience learning their own language. Or rather, I'll rephrase that, native speakers don't have experience learning their native language as a second language. They learned it growing up as their mother tongue. And so any advice they give you is probably not going to be accurate. It's probably not going to be very helpful. And I was thinking about that because I believe that's very true. I think about all the different probably hundreds, if I had to take a, a guess, like hundreds, maybe more, hundreds of native speakers that I've met across the different languages that I have learned and that I currently am learning. And literally 90, 95% of the time when they give me advice about learning their language, it's not usually right. It's incorrect. You know, I've had people who say, oh yeah, um, this is the classic. Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah language is, is one of the hardest languages ever or blah, my language has some of the hardest grammar ever, or, oh yeah, blah, 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 so difficult, or, oh, you definitely should be doing this, oh, you definitely should do that. And it's like, really, are you sure? And it's just not always right. The only, I guess, exception is, number one, if you happen to meet a native speaker who for some reason has some very insightful knowledge about learning their language for whatever reason, or B, they have a lot of experience either with language learning as a whole, or perhaps even just teaching their language and they've worked with people, or they have experience in that whole field of someone learning their language as a second language, as a foreign language. Then I think, sure, there's some merit in listening to what they have to say. Um, and I think that's important to realize. I've seen a lot of people who almost 
who almost will blindly believe the advice because it's coming from a native speaker. And they're like, oh, they speak that language, so I should probably listen. No, I don't actually, most of the time, I actually disagree. I think you probably shouldn't listen to that advice. Changing gears a little bit, I want to talk about some very language-specific advice. I've realized this is something I don't do a lot of across my social platforms, my podcast, my YouTube, and I definitely should because I have some a very deep level of knowledge in at least a few different languages that I can give good advice and good insights that can help a bunch of people. So let me give a couple of quick, quick yet effective or insightful piece of advice for a few different languages. Let's start with Mandarin. So Mandarin, this is a big one for me. I do not necessarily think that you need to learn characters from day one. I don't think so. But anytime, and I think this is contrary to what most of the time you will hear from different Mandarin teachers or, or things like that. It's quite contrary to what I've experienced anyway. And the reason is that, you know, the, the difference about Mandarin in comparison to languages like English, French, Spanish, you know, um, German or Gujarati or Hindi or Arabic or a whole plethora of different languages is that Mandarin is not is not actually an alphabet based language. If you do not know, if you do not know how to read characters, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not able to speak. There's no correlation to knowing the characters and your actual speaking and listening ability. That's not entirely true for other alphabet-based languages. If we take Spanish, for example, you don't have to know how to read, but it sure helps. It sure helps to know what the alphabet are, what the alphabet is, and what sounds every letter makes. Because then, if you hear a word, you can picture it written in your mind, or vice versa. If you hear a word and you're like, oh, what does that mean? Someone can simply write it down for you, and you're like, oh, that's, I know how to pronounce that now. So there's an there's a extreme amount of value of knowing the, the alphabet and the phonetic system of other languages that are not Mandarin. But on the Mandarin side of things, the characters, physically knowing the characters, being able to write and read them, is not necessarily something that you have to dive in and something you have to learn. In fact, you never have to learn it if you don't want to. And it's not going to have a big impact on your ability of speaking and listening. It will have some impact for sure, um, but it's not going to have a massive, let's say it's not going to have as big of an impact of if you didn't know the alphabet or the phonetics, let's say the alphabet of French, Spanish, English, a whole bunch of other non-character based languages. That being said, one thing that I believe is important in Mandarin is if you are not going to learn the characters, at a minimum, you should go and learn the phonetic system of Mandarin. So a very simple way to do that is simply learn Pinyin, P-I-N-Y-I-N. Simply learn that. That's probably one of the easiest way for for a native English speaker to go and learn the phonetic system of Mandarin. Um, even an English speaker in general, it's probably the easiest way because there's a correlation between the letters that they choose to use for their phonetic system and the letters that we use in English. It's basically using an English alphabet to describe their sounds. So that I believe is important, but I don't think you necessarily have to learn characters unless you have an interest in reading or writing or, or, or things of that nature. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think you need to go learn those characters. Going into some other languages, let's go, let's go into English. Um, so for English learners, this is something I shared yesterday. Um, I, I think one thing you have to take advantage of is the sheer number of resources and learning opportunities that exist for English learners. Seeing as English 
is such a, I suppose you could say powerful, quote unquote, powerful language in the world that so many people speak, that so many people want to learn, that, you know, because it has that kind of status, there are lots of resources in terms of textbooks, YouTube videos, programs, classes, teachers, like there's so much, there's a plethora or plethora, however you say that word. I actually don't know how to pronounce it, but it's not important. There's so much, right? There's so many things out there and you need to take advantage of that because when you look at a whole bunch of other languages, they don't have that luxury. The other side note, a slight tangent about English is I'm going to be 100% open and 100% honest. I'm a native speaker of English and I do not know what it's like to learn English from scratch as a second language learner. So that's an important little distinction. It's a side note. It goes back to what I was saying early on in the podcast. I believe in many ways, even though I'm very experienced at teaching, I have thousands of hours of teaching experience. I've even more experience with learning foreign languages and, and, and going through that process. And so I have a lot of experience, but I, I'll be real with you. My ability to, I guess you could say my ESL teaching ability, my English second language teaching ability, at this point in time, I actually think it's probably not as good as my ability of teaching French or Spanish or heck, in many ways, even Mandarin, even Mandarin. I feel like I'm perhaps probably a little bit better at teaching those languages than I am actually teaching English. Because when I look at those other languages, I know the grammar rules. I've studied the grammar rules. I've been through it. I can even relate to some of the difficult things because I know I've seen it. I've, I've been like, oh yeah, I struggled with that too. Oh yeah, that's really hard. I've seen people struggle with it. English, I'm a little bit more out of touch, I suppose you can say, which is why, funnily enough, when I teach English, 98% of the time, almost always, almost always, if I'm teaching English, I teach people whose first language I speak, meaning I will teach native Spanish speakers, I will teach native French speakers, I will teach native Mandarin speakers. It's rare for me to teach people who are not, who I do not speak their native language. And if I don't, it's funny how I start to, I immediately want to start learning things about their language to see like what the heck is going on. I need to understand the psychology. I'm teaching uh, right now, we're running a couple of uh, group English classes for Vietnamese people. I don't speak Vietnamese whatsoever. In fact, literally while I was recording this podcast, I got a, I got a text here um, from, from a group of, from two particular Vietnamese people who want to take some classes too. And I've been learning a little bit about Vietnamese not how to speak it or anything, but just a couple of features about it because it helps me understand, oh, they don't have determiners the same way that, or determiners, is it articles? They don't have words like the and a in, in, in Vietnamese. Oh, that's kind of like Mandarin. Oh, okay, I can see that. And helps me understand. So anyway, those are some random tangents, but regardless, let's get back on topic. Moving on to some other languages, let's go into, let's say French. So French, a couple things that really matter, at least for me, is I, I think you have to understand that they be, the if you're a beginner and you're diving into it, the biggest thing that is most likely going to be quite daunting for you is the sound system. Like the actual letters, how to read things, how the pronunciation works. It's really tough. There's a, it's not that it's tough, actually. It's that there's a lot to it. There's a lot of information to go through. You know, different languages have different types of challenges. So French, one of the challenges is that phonetic system and being able to actually pronounce everything and understand how to read things. It's really tough. Um, and so my advice to you guys in terms of French is, especially if you're a beginner and you're just kind of di diving into things, one thing I've, I've been 
I've recently been getting better at and I've realized is good is don't try and tackle the pronunciation in a few lessons or in a few hours or things like that. I actually think it's better to try and gradually, slowly but surely, gradually chip away at the pronunciation to kind of get it figured out and to get it down under your belt. Because there's a lot to go. It's kind of like having a lot of food in front of you. If you have like a whole fridge full of food, it might take you a week or two to finish the whole fridge. Well, like, with French, it's the same thing. It might take more than a week or two. It might actually take you, it might take you a year of part-time study before you're like, okay, this pronunciation side feels okay. I know some of you are listening going like, whoa, that's pretty daunting. I mean, I suppose so, but it's only daunting if you are expecting yourself to have the language figured out in less than a year, which if you, if you listen to my podcast, you know that typically the math doesn't work out that way. Typically it does. It is a process of years to learn a language unless you're doing more intensive study or you're doing, you're going about, you're going about it in a very non-traditional kind of approach, in which case you might be able to shave off some time in terms of number of years. But ultimately a year to get that figured out is not actually daunting because it probably is going to be a four-year process for you to go and learn French to like an adequate level, right? Adequate meaning like you can hold conversations and have roughly an intermediate-ish level. So something that's worth considering as well there. Now, moving on to Spanish, very specific advice for Spanish. Number one, I think you have to you have to embrace the fact that Spanish in many ways is a lot friendlier to enter and start learning than other than a variety of other languages. At least if if your mother tongue or at least if you speak English, let's say, or even a romance language, right? The entry into Spanish is a lot smoother and a lot nicer than for example the entry into French. And so that's a great thing you have to be aware of and it's fantastic. Spanish is great too because when you look at a lot of the native Spanish speakers, especially South America, right? There's a certain warmth about the people that are there. They're very friendly and warm and and talkative and that's a stereotype that they have there because a huge percentage of the people do have that kind of bubbly, warm, friendly type of personality, welcoming type of personality, which again is a huge advantage for people that are wanting to go in, into Spanish because the people you talk to are so friendly and welcoming and you and you really really get along with them for the most part. And so this is a, a really nice feature of Spanish that I'm a big fan of. Now, going into some very specific advice to perhaps help you is um, around the R's, the Spanish R's. It's the classic conversation, right? And there's, um, there's hundreds and thousands or whatever videos and blogs and stuff that will help you pronounce it if you struggle with going and rolling your R. But I want to kind of say a couple of little points that are that I've commonly seen people mix up. First of all, please understand that the Spanish R and the French R are very different. People often think, oh, it's a rolled R. Great. It's not. It's. They're very, very different. So understand that the is used, is used, is produced, excuse me, is produced using the tip of your tongue, but it's not using the back of your tongue. So the tip of your tongue is doing all of the work. It's not actually the back of your tongue. And I've seen a good percentage of people make that, make that mistake. And in fact, in my perspective, maybe this is just me, but I think I'm right here. If you're going to go and learn Spanish and you're not going to put a huge focus on being able to pronounce that R correctly, I actually prefer, if you're a native English speaker, that you that you lean towards pronouncing Spanish R's with an English accent and not with a heavy, let's call it a French accent. Not with an accent where you're you're using those R's and you're putting them in the back of your throat. I do not want you to use the back of your tongue to pronounce those R's because often 
maybe, again, maybe this is just me. I don't have enough data from enough people to know if this is true, but my hunch tells me I'm right. It's easier to be understood if you pronounce Spanish R's with an English R pronunciation instead of a R pronunciation. So if I say, oh, me gusta los perros, that's a lot easier to understand. I, me, me, gusta, me, gustan, me gustan los perros. That's a lot easier to be to understand than, per, for example, me gustan los perros. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my that's that's my thought process around it. So, just a small piece of it's a small little distinction that it's very minor and it's not something that's often talked about, but something I've been noticing recently that I wanted to bring up in this uh, in this podcast episode here. Anyway, I've got to take off. I have a call starting in about 15 minutes and I also want to get back to those students who want to take classes with me. So let's wrap this podcast up. Thank you for your attention. I appreciate it. And we will talk very, very soon. Bye for now.